Well, Paul kind of adds the New Testament twist to that and says we should be sowing in joy and sowing in joy all the time. And write this down. If there's no joy in your giving, if there's no joy in your tithing, there's no joy in your sowing, you're not sowing in a, in a way that's going to cause a harvest to come into your life. Mad sowing, sad sowing, belligerent sowing, grumbling sowing, that's not going to get you a harvest. Well, if I put it in, what's going to happen? Well, there's so many things contaminating your seed at that point in time. And the main thing contaminating your seed, and watch this, it's the soil. The soil is contaminating the seed. The seed is never corruptible. But it can be held back from what it's designed to do. So if the soil contaminates the process of harvesting, according to Mark 4, what is the soil? Your heart. Say it, my heart is the ground for sowing all of my seed. So I should be cheerful. And if I have joy, watch this, if I have joy, it's the mark that I have faith in my sowing. I'm not just out there just doing this and like it doesn't matter, no. I've got joy because I'm doing what I'm doing in, in, in actually in faith. In fact, anything you do in faith is going to correspondingly show the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Amen. If you're getting a revelation on sowing after these several sessions, joy should be rising up in your heart, not dread. Or you'll wait till you get the email from pastor or the text from Tyler to find out. And if it's on sowing, I ain't going. Let me help you out here. If you intentionally skip the sessions on sowing, you're not in joy. You're rather pathetic, actually, amen, because you know what's coming. You spiritual coward, you, and you're ducking. Come on, sit up straight and say, I can take it. <laughs> Come on, say, I can take it. Hey, we're word people. We're not afraid of the word. We know it's for our good, ultimately, in every way, isn't it, church? So, you know, you can tell a lot about what's going on if we're actually tithing and sowing and enjoying We've talked about tithers' rights. Aren't you glad they're tithers' rights? Aren't you glad there are promises to the sower? God, amazing promises for the sower. Say it, I have tithers' rights. I have sower's promises. God has been so good to us. Come on, everybody's with me. I have tithers' rights. Come on, this is Wednesday night crowd, so this is more likely to be true than the Sunday morning crowd. I have tithers' rights. I have sower's promises. God has been good to us. Amen. Now, you should be lit up on the inside thinking, my goodness, we've been thinking all wrong about this stuff. Like God is somehow trying to take from us. He's not trying to take from you. He's trying to bless your life with good things. Jerry Seville said it best, God blesses sowers, not part-time planters. Amen? Anybody here have a garden this year? Flowers? Radishes? A few corn stalks. <laughs> so where do you get your food from? Kroger, Walmart. <laughs> now, you all do realize that, you know, meat doesn't magically appear in Walmart. And okay, I just want to make sure we all understand that, that. There's a process that goes into this. Everybody say, God bless the farmers. Come on, said he, God bless the farmers. 
So we're, we looked and started last week talking about four hindrances to your harvest. Now write this down. A hindrance is simply something that provides resistance or delay or obstruction to something or someone. In this case, we're talking about something that would provide resistance or something that would provide resistance or delay or obstruction to your harvest. Now, how do you know if we're sowing, we want to see a harvest? Now, the ultimate motivation, of course, that we do everything we do, we do in the, in the compassion of God, the compassion of Christ, the love of God. But at the same time, you know, uh, if you're sowing something, if you're doing what God said you're supposed to do, you have a right to lay hold of the promises that are attached to those that actually live that lifestyle of the sower. And remember, it's a lifestyle. So we do for a day or two. We, we get to, into the flow of the livestock. And the people I've seen uh, really blessed by God, not just in terms of this, they're faithful to money, and therefore they end up being, you know, in, in due with power from on high. Not just the baptism, but with anointings. Anybody here interested in seeing the anointing go up in your life? The power of God go up in your life? What we do with things like, base things like money can impact what we are able to be trusted with in terms of true spiritual riches, like the things of God, like the anointing, which, of course, we can't put a price on. Who can put a price on somebody being raised from the dead? Who can put a price on a limb growing back or eyes popping into sockets or knee joints appearing from nowhere? Everything I just told you has happened in the world in the past six months. And a few of those happened right here in this building. How do you put a price on that? You can't. And yet God's people are called to walk in the flow in these things. So these are, are things that will provide resistance or delay or obstruction to the harvest that we're actually believing God for. In other words, if we are, are seed-minded, it's not wrong to be harvest-minded, but understand that some things are not going to happen unless we are faithful in these areas. And first of all, we talked about last week was a lack of seed. You must have seed. I don't care what kind of uh, a hope and a wishing and a praying you're doing. You're not going to have a harvest if you don't put what? Seed in the ground. does no good for the farmer to go driving all over his property or even get a combine out and travel throughout the property unless he's willing to what? Put seed in the ground. Aren't you glad to get seed to the sower? Now, some people squander the seed that they have. Some people eat the seed that they have. That seed can't meet your need, and when that happens, you know that that is what? That is a seed when you have something that can't address the real need, and you want to see that multiplied so that it can address the needs that might be in your life. Some people squander it. Some people waste it. Some people eat it. And little things like when something that you weren't necessarily foreseeing happening, like a stimulus comes by, that's when suddenly the body of Christ suddenly has seed. Thank you for your enthusiasm over that revelation. Everybody say seed. Lots of Christians say, I never have any seed. Well, all of a sudden God does something interesting in your life and increases you. Your first thought should not be thee. Watch, now we're talking about the lifestyle of a sower here. Not a part-time planner. The first thought of a sower, when seed comes into their hand, regardless of how it comes, whether it's from grandma or birthday check or a stimulus, it doesn't make any difference. How I many you know God is the source of everything in your life? Don't give anybody, especially don't give the government praise. They're not your God. You don't trust in government. You trust in God. 
Amen. A lot of our congressmen and women need to read the back of our, our coinage and our, our printed money. And what does it say? In God we trust. It doesn't say in Schumer we trust. And it certainly doesn't say in Pelosi we trust. And we can't find Biden, so we can't say in Biden we trust. Moving right along. <laughs> I'm an equal opportunity offender. <laughs> Where did he go? You trust in God. Say, I trust in God. So all of a sudden, here comes some seed. What you don't want to do if you want to begin to flow in the lifestyle of a sower is don't squander that. Your first thought should be seed, not thee. Tithe on it. It's just too quiet for a word, church, tonight. Just entirely, entirely too quiet. You tithe on it. Amen. Then you sow on it. God, what would you have me do? Then save a portion of it. Amen. And you should still be putting the rest subject to what God would have you do before you come up with all of your plans. Say, I'm a steward, I'm not an owner. Look at somebody and say, don't squander your seed. Because if you do, this is just an example, this little time window that we're in right now as a nation. If you do, you're going to be looking for the harvest six months from now, a year from now, and you're not going to have one. And other people are going to be popping up crops all over the place. Well, how come I don't have one? And you'll go back to remember this message that you had some seed to sow. As tight as your budget was, you had some seed to sow. And guess what? You chose not to do it because to you it wasn't revelation. I can preach this a hundred times, but until you get personal understanding and revelation of the principle, it's not going to do you any good. My revelation won't help you get results. You have to have a revelation on it. And then you will get results. You will get a harvest. So say, I need seed. No seed, no harvest. Remember, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, the one that considers the wind and the conditions and the clouds, they're not going to sow. So you don't check the circumstances before you sow. Check the word. That's where the tithe comes in. Everybody say the word. The foundation for the tithe is the word itself. The foundation and direction for the seed is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life. And when he tells you to write a check for $500 to a missionary, do not say, get thee behind me, Satan. Because the devil is not inspiring you to give to a missionary. You'll find out that God's voice when it comes to sowing is really clear. If you just be honest about it and just yield to him. So this is how this works. We don't have to have a word from God on the tithe. We don't have to have a special unction of the Holy Ghost. It's like I don't have to have a special unction when the word says to forgive others. Well, I'll forgive if I get a goosebump. I'll forgive. I'll have a really good time in prayer. No, you better forgive because the word says to forgive in this story. That's the way it is with the tithe. Now, with, with sowing, you have to hear from the Holy Ghost in compassion and be prompted and directed. And you say, well, he's not doing that to me. Well, you're not listening close enough. Because everybody has seed. Everybody has service. Everybody has time. Everybody has resources. He'll speak to you about that. Amen. Come on, shout it out. No seed. No seed. 
no harvest. Number two, lack of will. Isaiah 1 tells us, 19 and 20, he uh, is willing and obedient shall what? Eat the fat of the land. That is a direct agricultural reference. That is a direct harvest reference. If you will be willing and obedient, listen to me, you'll have a good harvest. In fact, the fat tells me you'll have a great harvest. Wonderful, abounding harvest. If you're willing, what? And obedient. Now, some people are obedient, but they're obedient begrudgingly. They're obedient with an attitude. <laughs> Amen. And then some people have a great attitude, but they just never get around to doing it. And what we need is a good attitude and what? Follow through. Willing and obedient. Some people obey, but not willingly. Some people are willing, but never get around to obeying. This scripture is a direct reference of an impact on your harvest. When you're not seeing the harvest like you believe that you should, you don't look at God and point your finger at him. You don't say dumb things like this, faith stuff doesn't work. You don't say things like sowing and reaping doesn't work. You're telling me the word of God is somehow lying to us. Let me tell you something. With all that the nonsense out there in social media and mainstream media and in education right now and throughout the land through through Hollywood and entertainment and everything bombarding, you better hold to something that is true. And you can count on the word of God not to lie to you, but to always tell you the truth. There is nothing else you can expose yourself to that has that kind of track record. You mean it never lies? No, it never lies. God's not a man that he should what? That he should lie. And if you're not getting the kind of harvest, it could very well be that there's not that willingness that goes with it. Well, Pastor, how can I tell if I am willing? You're going to have joy. Like Sharon, you'll say, Pastor, don't do one more message on sowing. Do 50 more messages on sowing because I just want more. I want some more. I want some more. What's going to happen if you hear the word of God on sowing? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. More joy is going to come. More seeds going to go in the ground. More results you're going to have. How can I tell I'm willing? Obedience is pretty simple, isn't it? Right? Grandma gave me $100. What's the tithe? Tithers wise, $10. Holy Ghost says, give $5, you know, to, to sleep in heavenly peace or whatever it is. Don't you think that any offering is too small? Because your $5 could be in a bolt or it could be in a headboard or it could be in a pillow. You never know. Amen. Am I right about it back there? There is no seed too small. And so, you know, you, you, you do it. You, if you are told to do the tithe and you're told to do the $5, right, and you did it, well, you got the obedient part down. But you have to be honest about how willing you were. Well, I don't know if I like that ministry or not. I have a bed. You need some help. H E. <laughs> when the Holy Ghost speaks, he's not asking for your opinion. He's not, he didn't say, Art, uh, let's have a conversation here, and I want your opinion on whether I should tell you what to do or not. He's never asked me one time for my opinion on what his will was. 
And can I tell you something else? Once expressed, he's never backed away from it. Now watch this. If you have an order in your life that goes back 5, 10, 15, 20 years and you've never yielded to that, that's part of the heart of a sower that's willing and obedient. So your life, and you wouldn't do it for whatever reason, fear or because of materialism, because of a sense of sacrifice or whatever you thought was out there, God's plan is the best plan for you. You'll never have anything better than what God has for you. So whatever reason is you didn't line up with that, that obedience wasn't there. Do you know that the next time you have a really good prayer time, God's going to be standing there with the same order for you? Lock the doors, ushers. Don't let anybody out right now. Just lock those doors. <laughs> We're going to go in a little bit further with this. Amen. <laughs> Obedient, that's the easy part. You either did or you didn't. The willing part's a little slipperier. Am I really doing what I'm doing from a willing heart? Your service, your ministry, your attendance at church, you know, your giving, is it coming from a willing heart? What you want to do is you want to have, a, a, you know, a kind of soil that is just really ready, ripe for harvesting, and you want to have everything in line. You don't want anything stopping this, but I'm telling you that lacking a willing heart will absolutely cause delay, amen, an obstruction to God's best in your life. Whatever you do, do it unto whom? The Lord. Do it with gratitude and thanksgiving. And whether he tells you to do what Billy Graham is called to do or tells you to sweep a floor, tells you to teach a class, it's a high calling. Turn to somebody and tell them, you have a high calling. You're not in education or business, or music, or medicine by accident. There's no such thing as the pastor and the apostle and the prophet and the teacher and the evangelist have a call. And I'm just, I'm just somebody in the church. That's no, there's no such thing. There's no distinction in scripture between those that equip and those that are serving or doing ministry. We're all ministers. Okay. Let me come out from this way. Let's say that you just got fed up. Jackie said the funniest thing this morning after prayer meeting. It's so true. She said, uh, you know, ministry would be so easy if it weren't for people. <laughs> There's no other choice. I mean, we don't, we don't minister to the deer. We steward the deers. We steward, you know, things and animals. But guess who the, the source and the origin and the focus of ministry is? That's why Jesus came. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't have that attitude? And I'm not saying she does. It's just funny because there are times when that's exactly, okay, yeah, praise the Lord, hallelujah, moving right along. <laughs> well, let's just say you're doing whatever. Somebody rubs the wrong way and you get fed up. And all of a sudden, your willingness to serve is at an all-time low. And yet you're expecting harvest off of the seeds you've sown financially. Don't hold your breath. I'm tired. I'm fed up. I'm this. I'm that. I ain't doing this anymore. Or the very famous one, I paid my dues already. Really? You think you paid your You think you paid back everything that God sowed into your life? Really? You think you paid your dues? That's a renewing the mind issue, isn't it? So whatever we're doing, we need to do it as unto him because it's, it's sowing our life. And if our lives are not properly sown, we're not going to get the kinds of harvest that we want. Amen.
We, we live and we act on his will, not on how we feel. Come on, say, I'm not a quitter. Say, I'm not a quitter. I'm a sower. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to be obedient and willing. Think of it like this. There's this big old hand of God. How many know God's hand is big? How many know God's hand is powerful? <laughs> How many know he can fix anything, do anything, right? And he's watching you. And he wants to insert that big old powerful hand, that yod, right in the middle of your situation. You know what he's waiting for? Willingness. Commit yourself 100% to what he's called you to be and do. No turning back. No room for bailing out. All in. Say it with me. I am all in. So you got your seat in the ground, and now you have an obedient and a willing heart. You're setting yourself up for great harvest in life. There's nobody that's unique. Everybody, I think, that's ever gone down this path to where we're going right now in revelation and practice in terms of ministry. I think every person who's ever gone down this path, and they're right on the, on the edge of seeing the, the most you know, amazing harvest they've ever had in life. They've had to deal with these things. And when they made the course correction, they were lined up for the best that God has. So say it with me. I've got my seed in the ground, and I've got an obedient and a willing heart. Number three, lack of faith. We've got to believe what the Word says about seed time and harvest. I just don't believe that stuff. That's not hard to uh, uh, understand, really, because if people don't do these things, it's because they really don't believe in them. I'm only going to actually do the things in Scripture that I have confidence and faith in, that these actually are the things of God I'm supposed to be doing. There should be lots of speaking of the Word over your seed. I mean, God has a lot to say about the things that we sow and the harvest that we're expecting. We should be doing that. We should also be watering that seed with praise and thanksgiving. Watch this. I have seed in the ground. I have an obedient and a willing heart, but I haven't seen anything yet. You mean God's telling me to praise and thank him when it's underground and I can see nothing? That's exactly what the word teaches. So I praise him and I thank him. But a lot of people, they don't really believe in the integrity of God's word. They really don't believe that if they sow something, they'll get a harvest or some, you know, religious Christian, carnal Christian talks them out of the principle because they said something snide about these principles and you throw them down. No, you have a right to hold on to everything the word of God teaches. Every principle, every promise, every right is a tither, every promise is a sword. You have a right to walk in the abundance of what he has for you. So what am I doing? I'm confessing the word of God over those things. If I'm sowing a seed towards a specific need, I have a right to go around saying, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you know, according to what Paul taught, only sowers can do that. That's not a tither scripture. Listen to me. That's a tither plus sower scripture. He said, you Philippians are the only ones who shared with me in this matter of giving and receiving. Guess what? He was, he was there in a situation where he desperately needs some help. And what happened? One church raised up the support to help him. And you know what he said? My God's going to take care of you. Amen. So next time you're quoting, my God shall supply, first of all, make sure that you're a sower.
Oh, there are thousands of Christians that walk around. My God shall supply all my needs. And they don't sow one thing. Some don't tithe or sow. But they're going around confessing the word of God. You can't confess scripture with actions that, that diametrically oppose or contradict that. Do you see this tonight? So what do I do? I want to make sure that I, in keeping with Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is what? Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Look, at, I'm sure that that's coming up in Jesus' name. I'm sure it's coming up in Jesus' name. And I'm certain that even though I can't see it, it's manifested in Jesus' name. That's the way we should be with every aspect of our faith life. Shout it out. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. Four times. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. How do the just live? By faith. So I could put my, my seed in the ground because that's what everybody else is doing. I'm going to really try to be willing and obedient. Yes, amen. I'm going to be willing. I'm going to force some joy. But I don't really believe this stuff works. Well, you're toast. You can't get a harvest on a spiritual principle that you don't believe in. How many believers do I have? Come on, let me ask you, how many believers do you have out there? When faith is absent, usually, of course, fear is present. I tithe, and then I, I sowed that seed, and that was the largest seed I've ever sown in my life. And, and now I'm not going to have gas money, or I'm not going to have clothing, or I'm not going to have food, or I'm not going to be able to, to take care of this bill. And here comes the fear and anxiety on you. A person of faith does not do that. A person of faith says, I have tithers' rights, and I just sowed that seed, and I believe what the Word of God says. And he has no respect of persons. If he did it for the widow of Zarephath, if he did it for others, he'll do it for me. Does that make sense? So when you're sowing in faith, you can always tell if fear then rises up about everything that could possibly happen because you gave that seed. You're not sowing in faith. You cannot sow in fear and expect a harvest. Amen. You hook up the fear, you unplug from faith. You hook up the faith, you unplug from fear. These are diametrically opposite forces, but they're both spiritual forces in the spirit realm, and you cannot operate in both at the same time. What you want to be able to do is say, I've got the word, and that's the thing about having to teach these principles. You know, the seven factors for supernatural increase were in the middle of the one on sowing. We covered the other ones like tithing, faithfulness, and diligence. We talked about walking in the truth. The reason we do this is because faith really does come by hearing. You have a heart to receive. By the time we're done, you're going to have the underpinnings for supernatural increase, and you should be expecting this year to do what? Supernaturally increase. So when you get that call from God to, to sow that sacrificial seed or something that's different or larger than you've ever dealt with before, and all of us have thresholds, and how many you know all of us are on different pages? Somebody tonight, $10 bill could be an enormous challenge for you. Somebody else, that would be something that's not even thinkable as a significant seed. 
because you're in a different station, a different position, a different situation. But the thing that should be in common for both of you is that you're excited and filled with joy. You're filled with faith, not fear what's going to go wrong because you sowed that seed. But expectation of what's going to go right because you sowed that seed. Amen. Praise God. When fear is present, joy is absent. And it indicates that faith is missing. What am I saying? You should be over the moon exuberant when you sow. <laughs> I'm going to wait because I think y'all are writing and meditating. You should be over the moon exuberant when you sow a seed. You should be over the moon exuberant when you sow a seed. Why? Because the, the promise is attached to it. Because the difference that you're making. Because Thanksgiving is going up to God. Because you become the answer to somebody else's prayer. You're the divine connecting point. What a privilege it is to be a sower. A lifestyle of the sower. What does exuberant mean? I think you should write this down. It means joyously unrestrained and enthusiastic. Now, I don't know what that looks like on a Lutheran. I'll let you know. <laughs> Joyously unrestrained and enthusiastic. Can you see how that's the opposite of dread, fear, disgust, regret? Watch this. When you sow a significant seed of the command of God, make sure the devil doesn't come back and say, well, that's wasted or that's never going to produce anything. Listen to me carefully. Regret is the mark of unbelief in your sowing. Regret is the mark of unbelief in your sowing. Now, some of the things that have pertained to us have happened publicly, so don't mind sharing things like this with you. But some of y'all remember when a, a fellow's son was killed. He's about 20 years old, and he had no funds to actually pay for his funeral. And that particular weekend, the church had, had received a, a, an honor offering for the pastor. And there was some significant seeds in that amount. And he had, he had absolutely nothing. Now, the, the funeral home is very gracious and tried to keep everything compacted. But the Lord spoke to my heart about this. That, that what we were going to do is we were going to have what we call the twice-sown seed and take that seed and then put it in this person's hands so that this son can be taken care of. How many know that uh, the Holy Ghost is very loving and very kind, very gracious? He, that's the only time in my entire life, Christian life, where something like that has happened. And I say this for two reasons. First of all, the power of a twice-sown seed, when somebody gives me a $100 bill and then I sense somebody, you know, the Lord directed me to do that, that's twice-sown. I'm going to get the benefit off of that. And the original sower is going to get the benefit off of that. I mean, they put the seed in the hand for the sower. It's powerful. Twice sown seed is a powerful, powerful principle. But you can't be sitting there trying to figure it all out. Well, I wonder if that's good ground or not. Oftentimes, you won't have a clue whether it's good ground or not. God's just telling you what you're supposed to do. Amen. Now, that offering totaled over $5,000. Everybody say $5,000. That's a lot of seed. That's another trip to Hawaii. But the Holy Ghost 
What's that? She can agree with that, can't she? Yeah. Uh, everybody say, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Uh, can you think of anything really in the, in the scheme of things more important than somebody's heart being ministered to at the loss of that child? No, not really. And I'm telling you, that's something you never forget if, if God had done something like that for you. Now, ask me how many times I've seen this man since. I have not seen him one time. I'm doing this to help you out here. Look at somebody and say he's helping you, so get that, that smirk off your face. He's trying to help you right now. <laughs> if you're not careful, you will judge and let regret come into your heart based on the actions and reactions of the person or persons you sowed into. Their reaction has nothing to do with the lifestyle of a sower. Sometimes people are gracious and thank God, and, they, and sometimes other people are thanking God, whatever. But you cannot let yourself slip into some kind of form of regret over what you have done, or you're going to lose the harvest off of that seed. Amen? What you learn to do is, the only thing that matters is that you hear what God is saying, and then you do what he tells you to do. Does that make sense? Now, everybody that gave that offering has a part of that. And it wasn't done, you know, underneath a table somewhere. That was, was something that God did very, very differently. But if you, you sowed in that, you actually ministered to somebody at a very critical time in life. Can I tell you this? Whether we see immediate results or long-term results, or we never see him until he's in heaven one day, I tell you this, at some point in time, the force of that seed will kick in. He'll always remember the people of God and how loving and caring they are. You see this? I just felt we're impressed to point that out to you. You know, I, I can't be enthusiastic and over the moon, exuberant for a day. You need to be enthusiastic, over the moon, exuberant, excited six months from now. A year after the seed. Five years after the seed. Oh, pastor, please don't say it. You've been in this a while. Some of you have been believing for God, you know, some things for a very long time. You've got to hold on to that. Because if the exuberance is leaving, it means your faith is leaving. And you can't get a harvest without your what? Without your faith. Turn to somebody and say, never, ever let regret seep in to your sowing. I've been in this a long time, and I can tell you that, that God will say to somebody who gets a sin this trick, to sow that stimulus check into the ministry. It happens all the time. God speaks to people that way. Now, you don't do that because you heard me say that. I'm just simply saying, I know how the Holy Ghost operates. And if you're not careful, you'll let regret come in. Why didn't I do this? Or why didn't I do that? Your job is to do what God tells you to do. And I have a little more enthusiasm than that. You're tired them, but now we're in the realm of sowing, and I can't let regret come in. I should have done this. I can't believe I did that, and I should have done No, you just, you hold your faith out there so that whatever harvest God intended is it, going to come past in your life. Do you know when you get an order like that, God already has in mind the harvest for you? It, it's already on order. Don't cancel the order by regret. 
Why would anybody with tithers' rights and sowers' promises regret their sowing? Only if they didn't have revelation of how these things work. That's the enemy trying to come in. It's also a form, of course, of, of doubt. Satan regrets indicates slipping faith over my seed. Remember that fear tolerated in your giving is faith contaminated. Make sure you keep it out. Faith praises before the harvest. Everybody say, praise God. Come on, say it. Faith praises before the harvest. Faith proclaims before the harvest. Proclaims what? The harvest is coming. Amen. It's mine in Jesus' name. God is faithful. He is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. Faith prepares before the harvest. In other words, what do you need to be doing to make way for that harvest? If you're believing God for something like Jerry Savelle with a plane, you're going to go out and get a hanger. Well, he got the hanger. Even without having to tell what the plane was, God provided him. Eventually, the plane comes. If you're believing for a car, make sure you make room for it. Amen. Lots of people have been believing God for a child or a baby. What do they do? They go into their house and they make room. They build a nursery out, even though they have no physical proof whatsoever that something's on the way. In the natural, when somebody's pregnant, they do the same thing. They're going to prepare. Faith prepares. Well, in the spirit realm, you need to prepare the same way before the harvest. And make sure you understand these things, the praising and the proclaiming and the preparing is done before you see anything. Come on, give me a good amen tonight. It is one more principle on this. I want to move on to this fourth thing. You just spend a few minutes just sowing into your life and encouraging you because it's really the most important of the four. And they're all really, really important. Um, Jesus came to the rich young ruler. What do I know about that rich young ruler? Jesus said, pointed him in the direction of the commandments. And what did he say? I kept these what? The implication is that this kid was living a very chaste and honorable and pure life. That he understood his responsibility as a tither. He understood all of that. He was keeping that to the nth degree. But what does Jesus ask him to do? Go sell all your possessions. That doesn't mean you're supposed to do it, but you are supposed to be a sower of some dimension. This man, God was preparing him for an apostolic ministry. You can understand he's going to need to follow Jesus and tie up all these other things and walk away just like the men did. They left their, their boats, their nets, and their father behind and went on with the Lord. It's the same command, basically. It's just tailored to the one stronghold in his life, which was his love and affection for material things. Go sell what you have and do what? Give to the poor. What's the word? Sow. Sow it and then come follow me. Now watch this. How does the Bible describe him after Jesus gave him that command? Watch this. Tyler's writes, he was profusely blessed. He was not called the poverty-stricken ruler or the struggling ruler. What was he called? The rich, young ruler. He had, he had wealth and he had youth, seemingly everything in the natural going for him. But when he heard the directive of Jesus... When he heard the Holy Ghost say, he went away sad. Now, a sower of the revelation doesn't go away sad. They go, I wonder what this harvest is going to be like. 
what is he going to do? Yes, amen, Lord. I'll go do that right now and I'll catch up with you. Just tell me where you're going to be and I'll meet you there. But first, go on and do what you told me to do. If he'd stayed around for the sermon, he'd have found out in Mark 10 what? A hundred times in this life what he sowed. That's, that's a pretty good return. Watch this. An emotion at the prompt of sowing blocked his harvest. Now, we want to think he came back later on and joined the, the body of Christ and served God and did whatever he was supposed to do. Some people speculate about his apostolic ministry. Some people believe he's Mark or some other person that was up and coming. Who knows the details of it? All we know is at this moment in time, he passed on what Jesus had to say. And the reason he did, his sowing was met by an internal emotional reaction. Do not let your emotions control your lifestyle of sowing. In fact, the first response you have emotionally, just set it aside. Glad, mad, indifferent, sad, fearful, just push it all. I'm not operating by emotion. I'm operating on that commandment. Because the miracle is in the commandment of God. If he stood around long enough and didn't go away sad, some people are like that in church. They don't catch the next message because they're sad or mad or whatever. And the peace they needed was the peace that we finally got to. Amen. Hallelujah. Stay for the whole thing. <laughs> All 58 parts of it, hallelujah. That 58th part may be the key for you. <laughs> Have we not covered things like diligence? Yeah, we covered that, didn't we? Yeah, we covered diligence. Praise God. <laughs> Say it with me. I am joyously, unrestrained, and enthusiastic. Does that sound like the rich young ruler to you? Over the moon? Well, he was over some moon, all right. Lack of seed, lack of will, lack of faith. Number four, lack of love. We simply must maintain the atmosphere of love for the harvest. Write this down. Strife is the harvest killer. That doesn't mean you're running around slapping people in church and out of church, in your family, running around causing all kinds of problems. It means in your heart, there's what? There's a war going on. There's an offense. There's unforgiveness. There's bitterness. I don't like that. I would do this differently. Blah, 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 blah. Daryl Ramsey was telling me at breakfast the other day when he went to Finney, Ohio. Finney, Ohio is the oldest AG church in the country. And even the superintendents called the preacher killer. One preacher said, you know, literally, they just didn't attack me. They attacked my family. Another one said that this is what they did, on and on. But God had sent him there. And what had happened is, instead of, you know, Following that same pattern, he went to each of those board members when they wanted him to become pastor of that church. He, he looked at every one of them and said, I will come here on one condition. You Will you support me? And he pointed to each one of them and got them all on the record that that's what they would do. And what would happen is somebody wouldn't, they voted on everything, you know, and the church you know, board got a van and then this lady thought that in some other tradition like the Baptist tradition, they all should have voted on this thing. She's like, I can't believe they got that and we didn't get to vote on that. And what happened over time was the young people, the babies, the grandkids and the kids that grew up, they all left. There was but a few handful, a few people that were older, everybody else left. And this grandma looked at this lady complaining. 
You know what she said? Shut up. My kids are coming back to church. <laughs> I love that. Let's all practice it. Are you ready? Amen. Shut up. People are getting saved, delivered, healed, miracles. Just shut up. Take it out. I mean, how many years, how many decades have they put up with that? But someday they got a revelation. If we're going to do anything for God, we're going to have to what? Grow in love. Say it with me. Love. Strife's the harvest killer. When you get this revelation and somebody tries to get you into strife, how many know you don't have to take the bait? That's why John Bevere calls it the what? The bait of Satan. There's a reason why he wrote that book for the body of Christ. It's very, very true. You bite into it. Next thing you know, you're on the hook. And next thing you know, you're somebody's meal. But watch this. Everybody say it with me. I've got seed in the ground. I'm obedient and willing. I have faith and confidence in my sowing. I have tied these rights and the promises of the sower. And here comes this opportunity for you to come out of love, to come into offense, to get belligerent. Here's what you do. You simply say, sorry, but I can't mess with you. I've got seed in the ground. <laughs> Once you have the revelation of seed time and harvest, you start to understand and realize how the enemy will do everything he can to get you out of love because that's how he'll stop your harvest. When nothing else works... Gets you into a place where you're upset and filled with strife. And then, boom, everything that you've been sowing is going to be compromised. And he just sits back and he laughs. He's so, so good at this. How many know the color of carpet is not worth losing your harvest? How many know the temperature of the auditorium is not? I know some of you think it is, but how many know it's not worth losing your harvest? This is supposed to be the Wednesday crowd. So let me try that again. How many know these things are not worth your harvest? So-and-so didn't shake my hand. Ain't worth your harvest. I've been teaching this class for five years, and not one person says thank you. Not worth your harvest. We just paid to bury his son. I don't thank you and never seen him again. Ain't worth your harvest. They're just not. You need to stay in love so that what you've sown can come to pass. We're told this in Galatians 5, 6. Faith works by love. It means it's energized, it's operative, it's activated by love. Which means your faith is not going to work. So the really truth of this is you got seed in the ground, but it's never going to produce because there's no faith to cause it to produce because your love is not energized. That faith. Faith doesn't work in an unforgiving heart. It just doesn't. That's why everything dries up around them. That's why the Bible says, don't let that bitter root do what? Spring up and defile others. How many have been on this earth long enough to know that you at times have gotten bitter and you watch somebody get defiled because of you? Come on, let me see your hands. Has anybody ever gotten defiled because of you? If not, I want to come over and see your halo and shake your hand and rub your wing. You're perfect, amen, perfect. Raise your hand if you know in your heart that you got something in your craw and somebody was affected negatively because of your response. You know, that's not what we're supposed to be doing is pushing people away from the things of God. Don't make people party to your offense. You simply say it's not worth it. I don't recommend you go around telling everybody that this seems to offend you. You're not worth it. 
You're not worth it. You're not worth it. You're you, 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 and you, you're not worth it. I don't recommend that. But in the spirit realm, personally, Fred did this. Sally did that. They're not worth it. I choose to forgive. I choose to walk without offense in my life. Mark chapter 11 tells us that we are to pray, believing we receive. That we are to say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Not doubting in our hearts, but believing the things we say, what? They'll come to pass. But then it goes on to say, and if you have what? Unforgiveness or ought, what are you supposed to do? Why would he say that? Because you can pray and talk and spit and praise and roll around, hallelujah, do everything spiritual. I mean, talk and speak and scream at the mountain. Do everything you're supposed to do in the natural, but it's not moving. Some people think my mountain's not moving because I'm not in faith. Most people, when their mountain's not moving, it's because they're not in love. They're still pining over what they said or what they did or what they didn't do or what they didn't say. Can I tell you something? They're not in a position to, to influence your life like that. Don't let them do it. And you're not in a position to be Lord over everybody. If I say David should say this or David should do this, I just took on the role of somebody I'm not qualified to be. And they get offended because he didn't say what I wanted or he didn't do what I wanted is, is re really revealing for the person who's throwing that on him. Amen. That's right. There are people even in this church that have Napoleon complexes. Short little dictators. You know what you need? Waterloo. That's what you need. And that's all I'm going to say about that, Rodney. Everybody say, Waterloo. I mean, running around, this person should do this, and they should do that, and I think they should not say this, and they should say, well, that's a miserable way to live. Is it not? And constantly offended and in turmoil because nobody's doing what they want. Why don't you just chill and focus on you doing what God wants you to do and let everybody else alone? I mean, it wears me out just to think about it. <laughs> but all it means is you just disqualified yourself from all the, all the sowing you've been doing. That's why it's really sad when you see somebody live this life 5, 10, 15 years, so, 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 serve, 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 and then get offended. Everything is just washed away. God has more for you in store than that. Aren't you glad for that? Matthew 28, parable of the uh, unjust servant. He owed millions of dollars to his master. Matthew 18, sorry, not 28. Uh, in 18, he talks about uh, the fellow who's forgiven much. And he goes out and he finds... Fellow servant, he owes him a $20 bill. Insists on payment and hold him to the fire and gives him the consequences because he didn't pay it. You know, the, the interesting thing about that story is, you know, it always gets back to the king. I want to look at somebody and say, your lack of mercy always gets back to the king. And you know what happened? He got great mercy. Say it like this, I have received great mercy. Say so again, I have received great mercy.
Do you know what an anathema is and what a stench it is in the nostrils of God for people who have received great mercy and then to turn around and not give mercy to their brothers and sisters? You can't even comprehend how vulnerable you are if you're in that state. And you'll not harvest. In fact, what will happen is God has the ability through that scripture to teach us something that if you're not careful, the entirety of your sin debt can be restored to you. There's a thought. Go back to the time you first sinned against God. and Start writing a list. Can you see that us practicing the mercy we've been given is a much better course and direction for us? Blessed are the judgmental. No, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. What is the harvest for being merciful? You get mercy. What's the harvest for being unmerciful? You get a lack of mercy. This is so complicated. So mercy, guess what? You get mercy. You sow a lack of mercy, what do you get? A lack of mercy. Hallelujah. Say it with me, a lack of love. Seed time and harvest is a faith operation. Plain and simple. Stem to stern. It is a great execution of and demonstration of your faith. You know, when, when God said that he loved us, the Bible says that he demonstrated his love in this. While we were yet sinners, he sowed his son. You see this? It's a demonstration of our faith. We kill our seed when we live in strife, unforgiveness, or a lack of mercy. I write this down. Mercy fertilizes the seed. A lack of mercy poisons the soil around it. It's not the problem of the seed. It's the problem of the soil. Mercy fertilizes, lack of mercy poisons the soil. Our faith operation of seed time and harvest simply will not work in the absence of love. What does this mean? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how many messages have been in this series so far. Because now we have many series going on. So I don't, I don't count them. That's, that's Tyler's job, isn't it? Roddy, he counts them and puts them up for us, thank God. <laughs> but how horrible would it be to sit through months of teaching on supernatural increased principles and then come out of love? Watch this. The worst time to come out of love is when you're actively believing for a harvest. It's just spiritual suicide. It's absolutely the dumbest thing that any of us can do. So be on your guard. He will try to get to you. It is a spiritual thing. It's not natural. It's not just relegated to personality. It's spiritual. And if he can get you, he will try. You just have to actively walk in love and say, no, um, I'm not going to do this. If I've been legitimately injured, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to walk that forgiveness out. I'm going to love you. Why? Because we've been forgiven much. Amen. I say it to you like this. You're not qualified not to forgive. <laughs> say it like you believe it. I'm not qualified, I'm not qualified. 
to refuse to forgive others. There's only one that's qualified to do that. He is perfect. I mean, thank God that he chooses not to exercise that option. Amen. The worst time in the world to come out of love is when you're actively seeking a harvest. Amen. As much as lies with you, live at peace with all men. They may not live in peace with you, but what are you going to do? You're going to live in peace. As much as lies with you, you're going to respond in a godly way. You're going to love, walk in love. Amen. Believe God's word. Stay out of the land of regret. Amen. I'm not going to be sad when he says so. (laughs) Come on, let's practice. When he says so, I'm not going to get sad. Come on, say, when he says so, I'm not going to get sad. Do you know what's not in sadness? There's no faith in sadness. Amen. But boy, there's faith in exuberance and expectation. Come on, give him a hand clap and thank him. You can receive that.